Welcome to episode 25 in Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and producer of this series. If you've not already viewed episode 2, my primer on numerology, I urge you to do so since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding Revelation and this series. In this episode, the focus is on chapter 19, verses 11 to 21, including the imagery of Christ on a white horse and the defeat of the beast and the false prophet. Chapter 19 is the first of two chapters in Act 4 of the divine drama that forms the second half of Revelation, and which I explain in episode 17. John's perspective remains a view from heaven. The illustration for the next several slides is adapted from Folio 48, Rider on a White Horse, from the Bamberg Apocalypse, an early 11th century illuminated manuscript of Revelation. I have divided the reading of chapter 19, part 2, into three parts, beginning with verses 11 through 16. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron." He himself treads the winepress and the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In this part of chapter 19, as the story nears its dramatic conclusion, St. John continues to bring back images and phrases from earlier chapters. In verse 11, he announces another opening in heaven, a standard form of revelation in both the Old and the New Testament. The New Testament precedent is St. John 1, 50b and 51, a conversation between Jesus and the apostles Philip and Nathaniel. You will see greater things than these, meaning recognizing Nathaniel under the fig tree. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Into this revelation comes a white horse ridden by the one who is faithful and true. In the Hebrew style, such a label reveals the essence of the person named. This use of the white horse reinforces the interpretation in Revelation 6-2, discussed in episode 9, of the figure riding the white horse as conqueror, 
from the Greek nika, also translated as victor. In verse 11b, John refers to judgment and war based on righteousness. The Old Testament precedent is Jeremiah 23.5, quoted by early Christians as a prophecy of Christ. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. The New Testament precedent is St. John's accounts in Revelation 1.5 and 3.14, in which Jesus is also called the faithful witness. Here the one who is righteous and jud- in judgment and makes war against Satan or evil, and as the New King James Study Bible points out, is the answer to the question raised in Revelation 13.4, the account of the beast from the sea with seven horns, Who is able to make war against him? Other phrases and images brought back from earlier chapters are eyes like a flame of fire. In verse 12 from Revelation 1.14, inspired by Daniel's vision of the glorious man in Daniel 10.6, and by Psalm 104.4, discussed in episode 4 and repeated in the letter to the church at Thyatira, in Revelation 2, verses 18 to 29, and discussed in episode 6. Many crowns, which acknowledge him as king of all, according to St. John later in verse 16. These crowns acknowledge his royalty. These stand in sharp contrast to the parodies of righteousness represented by the crowns worn by the fiery red dragon in Revelation 12, 3, or the beast from the sea with seven horns in Revelation 13.1, and discussed in episode 18. St. John's use of the phrase, a name written that no one knew except himself, has an Old Testament precedent in the Hebrew tetragrammaton YHWH, used by temple priests as a placeholder on temple scrolls for the unspeakable name of God. Whatever the name is, it is known only to himself. It is a spiritual name comprehensible only to God the Father, not known by man, and is not the same name as Word of God mentioned in verse 13, for that name was revealed by John in John 1 verse 1. In verse 13, the rider's white robe is dipped in blood. The Old Testament precedent is Isaiah forty nine eleven. I, meaning the Lord, have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me, for I have trodden them in my anger, and trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my robes. The illustration is an 11th century mosaic of Isaiah, at the Neomoni Monastery on the Greek island of Chios. The armies in heaven clothed in linen in verse 14 follow him on white horses. These are called chosen and faithful, a phrase from Revelation 17 verse 14 and discussed in episode 22. I also discussed them in the context of the Hebrew word Sabaoth, in episode 10 regarding Revelation 5, verse 11, and in episode 24 regarding 
uh, Revelation 19, verses 1 to 10. In verse 15a, John again calls up the image of the sharp sword, first used in Revelation 1.16, discussed in episode 4, and 2.16, discussed in episode 6, with which he will strike the nations. Earlier uses called it a two-edged sword, suggesting both mercy and judgment, or in the words of Jeremiah, judgment and justice from Jeremiah 23.5. In the same context, the author of Hebrews, traditionally credited, said to be St. John, wrote that, quote, the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews 4, verse 12. Judgment continues in verse 15a with the return of the rod of iron, first referred to in the letter to the church at Thyatira in Revelation 2.27, discussed in episode 6, and again in Revelation 5.2 regarding the destiny of the child, both based upon Psalm 2 verse 9 and discussed in episode 11. In the second half of the verse, John says judgment will be administered like a wine press with the wrath of Almighty God. The form of judgment has an Old Testament precedent in Isaiah 11:4, speaking of the rod which would come out of the root of Jesse. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. The winepress of the wrath of God was first mentioned in Revelation 14, verses 18 to 20, discussed in episode 20. Verse 15 is an allusion to the New Testament accounts of his propitiatory death upon the cross as a ransom for the forgiveness of the sins of mankind since Adam and Eve, meaning that by his blood he freed mankind from death. Another set of words returned from previous use earlier in Revelation is King of King and Lord of Lords, written on the figure's robe and thigh in verse 16. These two pair of titles are variations on the title of Christ from the nativity prophecy of Isaiah 9-6, which speaks of high expectations for the one who would come. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They were used earlier in Revelation 17, verse 14, discussed in episode 19, in the context of their use by St. Paul in 1 Timothy 6, verse 15b, potentate the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The second reading from verse 19 is verses 17 and 18. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both great and small.
In verse 17, we hear again of the loud voice. What the voice speaks in verses 17 and 18 is a paraphrase of a Hebrew disobedience curse from Deuteronomy 28:26. Your carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and no one shall frighten them away. St. John is here reversing the situation described in the World Upside Down parody in which the beast is triumphant in the divine drama of warfare in heaven and earth in chapters 12 through 18, discussed in detail in episodes 17 through 24. This form of supper of the Lord means that the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, and all who bore his name are are on the menu. The loud voice assures that no followers of the beast or the false prophet can escape this form of judgment, whether kings or captains or mighty men or even the horses they ride, mentioned in Revelation 6.15, or those who ride them, whether, quote, free and slave, small and great. Here, small and great refers to classes of people from the powerful rulers, whether church, state, or secular, and the common people. It does not refer to the small and great animals in the modern hymn, All Things Bright and Beautiful. The third and final reading from verses, is verses 19 through 21. The illustration is the taking of the beast adapted from Folio 49 in the Bamberg Apocalypse. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the throne and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Verses 19 through 21, which offer details on the final judgment upon the beast, the false prophet, and all who followed him, is most likely not a new event but is more likely the same great battle of Armageddon referred to in Revelation 16, in which I discussed in episode 21. The beast and the false prophet are references to Satan, as he appeared earlier in chapter 13 in the account of the woman, the child, and the dragon, discussed in episode 16. In verse 20, the beast and the false prophet are cast into the lake of fire. I discussed the meaning of lake of fire in more detail in the Hades Hell entry in the AIC bookstore publication, The Layman's Lexicon, available in paperback and Kindle at www.amazon.com. Right slash author, right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. 100% of all book royalties are donated to the AIC. For this episode, I offer a more general summary 
Understanding it requires knowledge of some names and terms from the Hebrew tradition and the New Testament. The King James, New King James translation of lake of fire comes from two different Greek words, limne, which means lake or pond, and kaminos, meaning furnace of fire. This combination is the furnace of fire that Jesus refers to in Matthew 13, verses 49 to 50, in the reference to the fate of the wicked. A related term used by Jesus in Matthew 5, 22, 29, and 30, Matthew 18, verse 19, Matthew 23, verse 23, by Mark 43, 45, and 47, Mark 9, 43, 45, and 47, and Luke 12, 5, is Gehenna, which literally means the Valley of Hinnom, from the Hebrew Gehenom, discussed in episode 20. The Valley of Hinnom is southwest of Jerusalem. It was used for many years as a pit for the burial of trash, and before that as the place where the child sacrifice by the followers of Molech in 2 Kings 23.10 and idol worshippers by the followers of the pagan god Baal took place and where the unfaithful king Ahaz was burned, burned his children in the fire in 2 Chronicles 28.3. 33.6, also reported in 2 Kings 23.30, Jeremiah 7.31, Jeremiah 19.2-6, and again in Jeremiah 32.35. Fires were started in the valley in order to burn the trash and to reduce the foul odor of its decomposition. If you would like to see pictures of the Valley of Hinnom as it exists today, you can do so at www.bible.ca writes slash su dash heaven dash hell photography or photo gallery dot htm. To aid in the keeping of the fires, the Hebrews threw in a combustible stone called brimstone mined in the region of the Dead Sea. This is the place John means when in verse 20b he refers to the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Brimstone was referred to in Revelation 9, verse 18, discussed in episode 14, and in Revelation 14, 10, discussed in episode 20. It will be referred to again in the final chapters, in all cases being a reference to the same context of judgment. Those not thrown into the fire, in verse 21, are killed by Jesus with the two-edged sword, after which the birds ate their flesh. Next time, in episode 26, the focus is on chapter 20, in which you will hear more references to the lake of fire and its place in the final judgment. Thank you for joining me for episode 24 in Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. This internet-based ministry is entirely supported by public contributions and by book sales. You can help by making a donation in any amount payable to the Anglican Internet Church and sending it to our business office address, 7162 Softwind Lane, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23111. Or you can purchase any of our books through my author page at Amazon.com, right slash author, right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Or you can like us and subscribe to our podcasts at our Podbean site, 
which hosts our extensive collection of hundreds of MP3 podcasts on a variety of topics. While you're at our YouTube page, I invite you to join our Google Plus Circle by clicking the subscribe button. As a Google Plus member, you'll receive notice of each new video. Our new URL address is www.youtube.com right slash C right slash St. John C with Saint spelled out. Or you can follow us and like us on the AIC Facebook page using either the direct address you'll see on the screen or the link at the homepage www.anglicaninternetchurch.net then after using the link, bookmarking the page for easy return. Or you can read and subscribe to my weekly blog posts at anglicaninternetchurch.wordpress.com. Finally, you can request the weekly update, which goes out weekly with the latest news and links to the most recent videos, podcasts, blog posts, and publications. Send your request to me at frron.stjohnanglican at earthlink.net. The names and email addresses of all recipients of the weekly update are blocked to protect your privacy. You can remove your name at any time simply by sending another email request. If you'd like to speak with me personally about this program or any other subject, please call 804 559 2690. The best times are 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday, Eastern Time. If you do not reach me, please leave your name, a message, and a callback number. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.